Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but he is strong. Hi, I'm Kevin Biltman, your host and recovering burnout pastor who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. At the end of today's podcast, you'll hear an awesome new song called It's Your Goodness, written by two guys I've written with before, uh, Daniel Hartzheim and Dennis Ballion, along with Katie Isley and Sarah Sheets. Check the show notes for more details on this song and video. But for now, Pastor Don Ray. Truly, as we think the title of today's message, One Body, Many Members, we think about our human bodies, and the truth is we are all living, breathing miracles. Amen? It is amazing the physical bodies God has given us are wondrous creations. You might think or have come to mind the psalmist, Psalm 139, we often talk about this where he says, you formed my inward parts, this is verse 13, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you, Lord, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not a doctor, but I know enough to know, according to Google, that our bodies have multiple different organs. We know this, right? But here's some fast facts I learned uh, through the almighty interwebs. Uh, And I didn't know these things until I wrote this. But here, our organs, they encompass some fast facts, more than 75 different, our organ systems encompass more than 75 different main organs in one body, including the five most important, brain, heart, kidneys, liver, lungs. Here's a fast fact. For each human body, each one of our human bodies, each one has more than 37 trillion cells. Think about that number, 37 trillion. I couldn't get my mind around that, so I did some quick math. There's almost, uh, sociologists project, uh, demographers project that by November we'll have 8 billion people living on the planet. All right, so let's just do some math here real quick. Think about it this way. If each one of our body's cells, in each of our bodies were a person, right? So there's 37 trillion people in me. Are you tracking with me? Kind of weird, I know, but just hang out for a second. If the cells of each one of our bodies were a person, each one human body would populate the earth at its present rate 4,625 times. That's a lot of cells. Each human body has enormous numbers of parts, all working together in defined symphony. We are not an accident, folks. We are created beautifully to live in good health and then to move in unison to serve others. One body, many parts, all working together. Well, it's safe to say that when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he and Luke, the physician, didn't know all those bodily facts, and Paul certainly couldn't have Googled them either like I did uh, in his day. But Paul did know that the fearfully and wonderfully made human body can still teach us analogously as a comparison about Christ's body, which is the church. 
And so today, based on Paul's text, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31, we'll look at, on your handout, three insights about us as Christians and about us as the body of Christ, all people together. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made. The intricacy of our own human body amazes us, and even at some level baffles scientists who are expert in it. There is also great mystery, Lord, in your body, the church, the household of the living God. Help us, dear Lord, today to hear your word through Paul, to appreciate all the more this living organism of the body of Christ that you've called us to be part of it. Help us, Lord, to appreciate what you would have us do as well, all by your grace. Bless us to hear and abide and live out your word faithfully and fruitfully. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Paul writes this first. This is verses 12 and 13 of chapter 12 and also verse 27. He kind of bookends this section. He says, and we heard it a minute ago, Gene read it for us, for just as the body is one and has many members, 37 trillion cells, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then verse 27, you all, y'all, are the body of Christ and individually members in it. So the first insight we could glean from this on your notes is that for baptized Christians, you, we all, are in Christ. Paul says that. Now, uh, what does this mean in the fullest practical sense? I recall very well um, uh, Victor Raj, one of my Greek professors at the seminary, a joyful man uh, and a brilliant scholar in his own right, when he was walking us through the scriptures one day in class, he said, in Christo, that's how it's in the Greek, in Christ, what does that mean? He was kind of pondering and chewing on that. And here's this man who's been a follower of Jesus for some 60 years, a joyful Christian, what does it mean, in Christ, in Christo? And he goes, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it's mysterious, right? And so it is. We, we don't really know what that means on every practical sense, in the fullest sense. It's hard to answer. It's a mysterious thing. But at a bare minimum, we can say this. It means that we live as forgiven children of God. At a minimum, that's what it means. We are alive eternally through faith in Jesus Christ. I said it at the outset, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the third time today in the last couple of hours the Lord has brought that verse to mind. Someone needs to hear that. And so I'm going to say it again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. If you are a follower, baptized follower of Jesus Christ, he doesn't hate you, he's not punishing you, he loves you, and he is with you. Hear that, that if we are in Christ, when we are in Christ, we live as forgiven, beloved children of God. Most fundamentally, 
If we try and unpack what my esteemed professor couldn't even unpack for us, and I can't unpack either, we can maybe say it this way, maybe one more step. And here's something that is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? If you are in Christ, then you are in Christ. Wow. Meaning this much. It's actually some profound truth to this. When you are baptized in Christ, you are reborn and physically located into a real, tangible, physical existence, into an actual physical place, specifically in Christ. Now, if that's still confusing, let's think of it this way. We can think of the body as an analogy, as Paul does for us. Scripture teaches us, and again, this is not a medical view, this is a theological view, but Scripture teaches us that humans are both soul and flesh, right? Spirit and skin, if you will. We see that from the very beginning in Genesis, God created us. So think about it analogously if we're in Christ. Bodily, when you and I were born, we were not born as bodiless spirits, right? Any mothers who are here who have given birth, you gave birth to an actual body, amen, sisters? Yeah, right? Thanks be to God for you. <laughs> We were not born merely as bodily spirits, as ghosts. No, God, God animates our spirit of life and incorporates that spirit into a physical body, and we are born, you see. Our soul is brought into an actual physical place, specifically into our body. And so it is, in a similar way, with spiritual rebirth and the rebirth of faith in holy baptism. We are not, at the time of our baptism, just spiritually reborn like holy ghosts, right? But God also, in our baptism, then brings us into an actual physical place. Specifically, he rebirths us into his body. Fundamentally, our families, but then also the body of Christ, the church. Do you see? We're baptized, reborn spiritually, and then he brings us into the body of Christ, a physical, actual, tangible place. So, so when some might say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm not into church, or I can worship Jesus on my own without the church, well, theologically, that doesn't really make any sense, and you can't do that, really. That's a bit like saying this, well, I just want to be a spirit, but I don't really want my body, you know? My, my heart... Eh. My brain, not so much. My eyes and ears, overrated. My arms, my legs, my torso, boring. Right? No, this is all united together. We can't, we can't like be spiritually alive and like disembody ourselves. That's not how it works. So, so when we are reborn in baptism, God rebirths us in every way and places us into Christ into his body. We can't just be spiritual without being in Christ, without the church, without the people of God who comprise the church. Are you tracking with me on this? So when you and I were baptized, we were baptized into a physical community, the church. And then as we grow, he calls and gathers us locally and together in various churches. 
You know, our son was born when we were at the seminary in St. Louis, Missouri, and we had him baptized by one of my professors uh, in the seminary chapel narthex. There's a beautiful font there. But because the seminary is not a church as it were, his baptism of record was actually with our home congregation 2,000 miles away. Why was that? The seminary is sending the signal and reminding us all that you're not just born into this font, reborn, you're actually born and part of a body of Christ. You can't join the seminary, as it were. You need to be part of a living, breathing, local expression of the church in a local congregation. So, so for us here, for those who are baptized, if we're here today and we're worshiping here today, it's not a stretch to say that God has called you and called us to be here, actually here in this local physical body in this local church. And so over these last couple of years, three years of the pandemic, we've seen there is value in having online services, and there still are a number of blessed brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in our own community here who watch our services online, who can't come in person because of life and health circumstances. And also, that's not the same. Jesus didn't incarnate himself on a Zoom meeting. He came into a bodily little baby in a feeding trough and so he places us into a body as well so we are in Christ now second Paul also teaches us we are in place in place that's what Paul says he says God has placed the members each one of them in the body just as he desired that is to say that God in his church has gifted and arranged each one of us according to his will Right before Paul says that famous passage that Gene just read about the foot not telling the hand to go take a hike and the eye saying I don't belong and the ear and so on and so forth. In other words, Paul is making the point that each part, each person's God-given giftedness and role is important for a healthy, well-functioning local body or church. We could say it this way. Every member matters. Every single member matters. That's Paul's point bodily, but then he's speaking analogously about the church. And so for us as the people of St. Paul's, every one of us matters. Every single member matters. And so there's wisdom then in us asking God and, and one another to, to help discern our gifts, our spiritual gifts, and then put them into use to actually serve. God has set us all individually in place and placed us together as his body. So those of us who've been following Jesus for some years or decades or for our whole life even may have a good idea or a better idea than some of what our gifts might be. But if you still wonder, you know, here's some ideas. What do people tell you that you're good at? What are some things that people say, you know, you're really good at? Because sometimes if we have a God-given gift, it's kind of invisible to us. It's just what we do. Well, we're living our groove. We're doing what God has made us to do. So what skills, what, what abilities do you have? What, what physical or material resources do you have? Uh, these can all be clues as to the ways that God has gifted you individually as members. But then when we pull back and consider all things collectively we're good at, all the skills and abilities collectively that we have all the physical resources that we have, then we begin to see 
God in his wisdom has put all of these into place. He's arranged them all. One body with many parts. That is a significant part of our working group's task that's coming up, starting to meet this coming week, is to assess all the different gifts and resources the Lord has currently entrusted to us as his people at St. Paul's so that we can kind of dump all those puzzle pieces out on a table and say, now what does the picture look like, Lord? What do you want us to do with this? That is part of it. He's arranged every single piece, part, and member of the body. And the last point then, God has done all this, we might say, on purpose. On purpose. We are in Christ. We are in place on purpose and for a purpose. Paul gives us a clue as to one part of that purpose. He says here in verse 25, God has so composed the body so that, here he says, there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care or concern for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Right? We know this as people who live life this side of heaven. Gravity drags down on us, right? If our, if, our, if our hip aches, it's not like we can just take off our leg and say, I'll see you this evening, right? Our whole body kind of struggles through that. It impacts our gait. It impacts our walk. We have a sore shoulder. We can't just take off our arm and say, well, I'll see you next week. No, we suffer together. We're all part of this body. Each part is important to the other. And so as God's people, we're to care for one another care for one another. One of us is not more important than the other of us. We are all beloved, important, significant in God's eyes. Every single member matters. And so that's an initial reason that God has birthed us into his body, is to care for one another and to be cared for. You see, again, going back to that analogy, if we just kind of let the Lord spiritually rebirth us and then plunk ourselves over here by ourselves, who is going to care for us? How will the rest of the body of Christ know what care needs we have if we're not living in fellowship with others? If we're not calling and in relationship and saying, hey, how's it going this week? Checking up on you. That's part of the body of Christ, to care mutually for each other, to live in unity with each other. If division happens, we can say it's not of the Lord. Unity is what God brings in the body of Christ. And he is in our midst. Every member matters. And then the second part, on purpose. Paul concludes with this. He says, as people who've been rebirthed in Christ and, and arranged according to his will, he says in verses 28 and 29, he, he doesn't include an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts here, but an exemplar list, just some examples. He says, God has appointed in the church first prophets, uh, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, help and administration, and so on. And then he says, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Is everybody a leg? Is everybody an ear? No, right? We all have our place. But Paul lays them out here in order. So part of the purpose of the body of Christ Notice how those first three callings that Paul specifically orders are all about proclaiming and making known the word of God. Here again, apostles, right, of whom Paul was one. 
we can say as faithful Lutherans and readers of Scripture, there are no more apostles, uh, but there are still prophets, and not in that kind of spiritual, weird way, but prophets fundamentally in Scripture are tellers of truth, forth tellers, not so much foretellers like prophets, oh my gosh, I see the end of the world coming. Now you probably don't, because even Jesus said he didn't actually see when that day was going to come, right? So you, you can be a forth teller, we would say that that is something that still is a gift that, that God distributes. But listen, apostles, forth tellers of the truth, teachers, those are the first three that Paul says, and those are all oriented toward making known the word of God. That is a fundamental purpose of the church. All other gifts follow and ultimately serve that primary aim of making known the good news, that Jesus Christ lived, suffered, died, rose again, and that all who believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead will have eternal life. That, that's the fundamental truth that all the other gifts ought to be in service to. So as God's people today, whenever you were baptized, wherever you were baptized, and whatever gifts he's given to us individually and collectively, those are our main purposes as God's people, to care for one another in unity and in peace, and then to make known the gospel of our Lord to all people in this time and this place. Amen. God of power, full of mercy, slow to anger, you're a mystery. Who is like you, befriending enemies? Oh, what favor, how did grace find me? It's your
and glory.